It's like the inverse of that scene in Step Brothers where they're like, do we be, just become best friends? Like, yeah. yes. And sometimes you look at someone and you're like, I hate you. I hate yeah. you. <laughs> Scotch. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 177 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast, Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth, and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam, and I'm the trier of things that often do not work. I'm Sam, and I oftentimes assist with trying things that do not work. <laughs> yeah, this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is a Slovember dozen, 20 great teen. Before we get started, we have a warning. Anything could happen on this show. There's going to be profanity, and we're going to talk about life. We're talking about real stuff. Mm-hmm. And as we all know, children should never uh, learn about real things you know. that are true in the world. It's actually true. Over the over this weekend, I went paintballing with uh, with Fat Bard. And yeah. uh, at one point, we wanted to go to this particular field called Volcano because it was really cool. And so our guy, our, you know, whatever, our ref guy goes over there to get, get the guy. And this group of kids come up and they're like, oh, this is the only one we haven't done. And we only have one more before we have to all go home, you know? And so- he kind of looked at us apologetically and was like, was like, I got to let these kids, I got to let these mm. kids take your spot. And I was like, well, that's fine because they've never met real disappointment yet. And, you know, we should just keep that I was, going. I totally like, I, <laughs> even though I don't have kids of my own and I always joke about like how people are protecting their kids from this stuff. Mm-hmm. At that moment, I was like, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. Just you let them have just that let volcano. Have that just guy. let them have it. I've been disappointed so many times. What's <laughs> one more, you know? It's just fine. And, you know, you got to go into the volcano eventually. I did. And then because so, – and then I got shot in the neck by by Patrick. So, so you got your your victory. I got my, you got got my money's worth. <laughs> <laughs> the volcano back. Do you have a mark there on I your do, neck? I do, yeah. It's, I yeah. Think it's it looks like a giant little, 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 yeah. b- little blood circle. Yeah, I got mm-hmm. some – I think I – think, I got hit by a few people, but the one who did the most damage to me was Patrick. It always the is. entire fucking time. Patrick is fat bard. Patrick is fat bard. For those unacquainted, uh, which is our audio guy. It was just – I've got these horrible looking, you know, welts that look like ringworm because that's, that's last time we do. played, he shot me in the nipple from like four yards away. <laughs> I was like, how did you do this? The thing Every is, time. he's very sneaky. He's so always sneaky. in a shrub or like behind a yeah. tiny dirt mound. Maybe it's because he's so tuned to sound. That he oh, yeah. He's very like, quiet. He can, he's, he's, like, he's like daredevil. Too. Yeah. yeah. He's acoustically dampened. Yeah. Yes. And then he can hear, he can see with his hearing. Mm. Yep. And you won't ever hear him coming. No. So, but he'll, your neck will feel it. it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, before we dive into the rest of the podcast, we'd like to thank our supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. We got a message from Jer McBain. Dear brothers of scotch, I bequeath ye these four coffees. Verily, I am thankful for ye <laughs> casting of pods and weekly inspiration. So thank you very much, mm, Jer, nice. for the support. Appreciate it. Uh, we also have a, a lot of recurring supporters who we'd like to thank. Uh, it's super great that you guys are helping us keep our mics plugged in. Keep that paying those power bills. Yeah, we have to we have to pay somebody just to come in and plug our mics in. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, every Monday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can't just we can't think of a better way to go about no. this. We uh, just at the end of the session we unplug them, mm-hmm. and then we just call our our plug in guy. Yeah, but if we reach our stretch goal, in. then we get to pay somebody to also unplug the mics. Yeah, which is going to be really nice. Which I'm, very, <laughs> I'm very excited about that because disentangling these cords is just. <laughs> just yeah, and then straight. you got to then you got to get your cord untangler uh, yeah. to come in every Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Yep, uh, because the person who plugs them in and who who unplugs them, they're always tangling the cords yeah. and you got to, this is, you got to create is, work for other people. This, this is, is called work. job creation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, this yeah. is doing our part. what the economy is all about. So as, as Ko-Fi supporters, you're, uh, you're making the whole economy grow. Mm-hmm. So you should pat yourselves on the back. It's an, it's an economic stimulus package for St. Louis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One cord untangle at a time. Uh-huh. 
Uh, all right, on to studio news. So this past Thursday, Thursday, we launched Crashlands on the Nintendo Switch, um, and we learned some things. So what happened is we have our newsletter. Mm-hmm. We're, gonna, we're talk about. Oh yeah. So if you do want to get Crashlands on the Switch, go go, yeah, get, go get it. Uh, Please so, do. People have been enjoying the crap out of it. So that's yeah. good. It's not broken, and people like the co-op. So we've done good our, resp- we did those our are job. Things. Yeah. Although, we, although we did hear that somebody has it broken. It seems very specific to their device on an Android device, I believe. Where every time they open a crafting menu, it just crafts. It just crafts. Everything. It just crafts everything. And so they're like, Whoa. they were like, it just well, it just like whatever is selected when it'll they just open start it, crafting. It just starts crafting, crafting as much as it can. We're like, that is that's not a thing we've ever heard of yeah. in years of having this game out. Uh, so that's the only thing I know that that is broken, but it seems to be unrelated to the update. I don't think it's a Switch problem. No. Probably sounds like a personal sounds problem. Like, yeah, yeah, I was like, yeah. Uh, I was like, sorry, man, like I can't make any promises here, but this this might be a sort of a you problem. <laughs> <laughs> might be a you thing. I don't like. With we can Android, only program so much with <laughs> Android devices. Yeah. It's always like, what did you do? When I asked him what he device he had, and he named some device, I'm like, I have never heard of this thing. Yeah. And it has good specs and everything, but I don't know what's going on in there. Who knows? Yeah. There's like sixteen thousand Android devices. Wild West. Um. So, so a big part of our studio strategy mm-hmm. has been we've got these B Scotch IDs, we've got these rumpus usernames, whatever. And as people play our games, we offer them extra services like cloud saving and all that great stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and a big part of that is to also get people into our newsletter system, mm-hmm. which because, people can, of course, opt right back out of if they want to. Yeah, so, because yeah. back in back in the day, we had Twitter. That was about it. That was about all we had. We had Facebook. And we had Facebook. And we thought there's a problem here in the industry, which is like people play your games. They become a fan of your games. And then when you launch the next game, you can't really talk to those people. So we tried to use existing services like Facebook and Twitter to, you know, uh, sort of accumulate the community and then use those services to reach out to people. Uh, What we found with Twitter is that it's pretty unreliable like you send out a tweet, but who's going to see it? Mm-hmm. You know, you've got a very low rate. So we mm-hmm. discovered, okay, we can't actually use Twitter for like good community engagement. So then we switched over to Facebook. So we had like 20,000 people in our Facebook mm-hmm. group. And what we found was that no matter how big our group got, Facebook would never show our messages to more than 1,500 people. Well, you could pay $5 to get a boost to show it to 1,500 exactly. more people. Yeah. And so they'd be like, hey, it's a nice message you got there. If you'd like to actually show it to your supporters, mm-hmm. maybe a little uh, money will help that out. And we'd actually try that a few times, but then uh, they just showed it to strangers. Yeah, it didn't, didn't really work. Didn't really work. Uh, Which is also just annoying because through both of these processes, the whole idea was, okay, you, you do the work to accumulate your user base. Yeah, we already did that platforms. work. And yeah. then you get to talk to them. But the reality was you do the work to put them there and then, and then you, you get, get held hostage to yeah. talk to them. Yeah. And which so, is infuriating. So part of the the struggle that we've always had as an independent studio is how to actually be independent. Mm-hmm. Right? Like how do we actually talk to the people who want to hear about our stuff? Because there's always these these middle people in the middle trying to make us pay them to talk mm-hmm. to our community. But right? this is even, also where the people are. Yeah. yeah, the people are on those communities. Yeah. And it's fair. It's only fair, right? Because these are these are platforms. Twitter's a platform, Facebook is a platform. They have to pay for all the infrastructure and everything to they're, allow for that to happen. They're just other businesses. They're just other businesses. Um, but at the same time, we realize like, well, this isn't sustainable if every time we want to send a message to the people who have signed up to hear our messages, we've got to drop, you know, four hundred dollars or something like that. Um, and that was with a small group. Yeah. Right. And so so we thought, okay, email marketing. This is our bread and butter. This is our final 
And thus, Beastcatch ID was born. Beastcatch ID appears, and we're like, now we can actually just email people and just tell them what they want to know. And if, they, if they're if they like, oh, I don't really care about this, then they unsubscribe, and it's perfect, and then they never have to hear from our nonsense yep. again. Mm-hmm. But then when you're coming into this arena, then basically you've got one, one entity, which is MailChimp, mm-hmm. right? Except back in those days, we knew we were going to have a lot of emails really fast because we were going to launch a game with that stuff. We didn't know how many, but we were hoping for a lot. We didn't get as many as we wanted, of course, but but we still were expecting a lot. And the pricing for MailChimp was well out of so our- would say exorbitant. Well out of our indie affordability mm-hmm. uh, at the time. And so what we had plenty of, though, was time. And so that so, so Adam we, made so his own we, mail trip. So we ruled our own our own newsletter system. Yeah, and that meant just a lot of uh, a lot of learning, a lot of mm-hmm. trial, a lot of error. You know, stuff that uh, that Mailchimp sort of takes away and assists with. Uh, but it turns out there's some stuff left that even once you get all that shit figured out, so that we're basically operating at the same capacity that Mailchimp is. Mm-hmm. There's still some some just some stuff left that really uh, creates some problems. Yeah, so this weekend was we went so we to, launched Switch. We launched, we launched Switch, and yep. then we went to email. You know, like 180 thousand people, I think. Um, 160, 160 on Sunday, Monday, which are just our sort of go to days for sending people notes. And we so we said well, we sent a test batch on Saturdays now because just to see problems. And suddenly our open rate was just abysmal. Just horrible. It was 10 percent. 10%. 24 hours later. Which usually it's about three to five times that. It gets up to – and our, the best ones we've had have been like 45%. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But we typically get 35 to 40%. Yeah. So – and th- those are for our Ballyhoo, you know, our quarterly newsletters mm-hmm. and stuff. So this is the time where we're like – we, you know, a big reason that we're doing all this stuff is because we have to keep the trust of the email providers, right, knowing that we're not sending spam mm-hmm. um, so that when we do – when it finally matters. Where we can launch, for, for example – a game on a Switch. A game on Switch. Like we're mm-hmm. launching a game and we can finally tell people about it. Like yeah. this is the moment. And then suddenly we couldn't. And suddenly we couldn't because it turns out that uh, there's, the still, Gmail, there's still somebody in the there's middle. There's still somebody in the middle. And in this case, it's the email provider. So we right? don't go to spam, by the way. We don't go to spam. We're we, not spammers. We figure, I figured out enough stuff to keep us out of spam, so mm-hmm. that's great. Uh, people like what they get, so they don't mark us as spam. So, you know, we have a good relationship with the people getting our mail. But what we do not have is a good relationship with the email clients themselves. And as email services have – because they're all trying to differentiate themselves also, right? So it's just it's just another thing. There's another middleman there, right, um, who's deciding where your email goes when it gets sent. Right. And does it so, go to the inbox? Does it go to spam? Does it go to the – Does it go somewhere else? That's like a, that's a, and I think it's unique to Gmail, certainly as Gmail is our, our problem child with it, mm-hmm. uh, which is this whole promos folder thing where basically Gmail said, hey – Here's a service we're going to provide to our customers where you get a lot of shit that you don't want and you have terrible inbox hygiene. Mm-hmm. So we're going to help you out and put some hygiene in there for we're you. We're going to pre-sort your mail. We're going to pre-sort your mail and we're going to look at stuff that looks like basically junk mail. Not mm-hmm. So stuff that's spam, we're still going to send to spam, right? But stuff that looks like junk mail, like maybe you want it because there's like some deals in there. Like maybe right? one time you went to Express and bought a pair of pants and now, and every, now every day your life. you get an email about <laughs> right. pants. Yeah. So so now they're like, we're going to put that stuff into this special folder called promos, which, which you know, from a user perspective, totally makes sense. Feel great about this. Uh, but from a person sending email perspective, if what mm-hmm. I'm sending is not a promo, please buy these pants for right. 20% off deal, but is instead a newsletter that you want and that you you read every time it arrives and you mm-hmm. like it and you send us notes sometimes. You're like, I really like this. Thanks. Uh, now Gmail can't tell the difference mm-hmm. between those kinds of things because there are too many similarities. Namely, that those kinds of emails try to look nice. 
Mm-hmm. They have pictures. They have pictures. pictures. They got lots of HTML set up so that they just like feel good and professional mm-hmm. when you open them up. So basically, now if an email looks professional and well crafted, nobody gets to see it. Nobody gets to see it anymore. Mm-hmm. But but it is clear. Like and the thing that so we've been struggling for the past several months in particular, and, and we know that Gmail changes the algorithms all awesome. the time. So my my bet is that something like six months ago there was some change that made it so that the the scoring algorithm they were using changed in, in such a way that it like really impacted what we were doing. Uh, and we couldn't figure out what the hell was going on because like one, one value who would send out and it would get a 45% open rate. And then mm-hmm. six weeks later, we sent another one and it would get like a 20% open rate, like same time of day, same day of week, all this stuff. Same recipients, same recipients. Right. Uh, so there was no reason and it, and it wasn't going to spam. So there was just no reason for this. And we just couldn't figure out what the hell was going on. It's so, like, mm-hmm. I was like tooling around, like shoring up everything, researching everything I could to make our system just bulletproof. And then we finally figured out what it was, and it was because fucking Gmail was just throwing us into promos, throwing us into promos, but in a really unpredictable way. So basically, some of our ballyhoos would go right to people's inboxes, but other ones would almost entirely go into promos. But also, it's it's not a guarantee, right? So no. like for some people, it goes into their inbox, yeah. And for some other people, it goes into so promos. it becomes very difficult. So you to can't debug. actually predict. And not only that, on Friday. We did our test batch because mm-hmm. I found it, I found a service that basically sends your email to test Gmail accounts and then tells you did they land in promos or they land in the inbox they go to spam whatever. So I found the service. We we fine tuned the ballyhoo because it was it was going straight into promos. Mm-hmm. We're like fuck. So we fine tuned it. We finally got it out and it was going 100 percent to inboxes. We're like yes we got it. So then we start Ballyhoo's sending. Gonna be so good. We send off this batch on Saturday and they all go to promos. <laughs> and then I and then I resent my test batch against those Gmail accounts right with that with that API. And they're also all going to promos there, which means Google learned something about us, right? Like it, it changed its mind about this uh-huh. email that we were sending and like, how the fuck are we going to predict that? And so now all of a sudden, so then we got in this morning and we were like enraged. We're just like, we, ha- well, because we weren't able to support our launch. No. You know, like we right. launched on switch and we've spent years building up this user base and all these systems mm-hmm. to be able to talk to them. This is in fact, has been like the core of our. That's our whole our studio strategy yeah. is to build the user base in a way that we can actually we can talk, talk to them. them. Yeah. And then Sunday rolls around and we're like, what the f- <laughs> why, let, why won't no one let us talk to our people? Just nobody does. Yeah. It's infuriating. And we're trying to, I mean, and the idea with email marketing is, is the beauty is, is, is that it gets you at, as close to the infrastructure. Because so, the infrastructure is the internet, right? Yeah. So every time you have a middleman in the way, they can fuck with you. They can, they can, mm. they can, in either a good way or a bad way, actually, they, they can help you make something happen or they can make it worse. Um, with email, like, you know, this is an old protocol. Like there's, there's not really anything in the way, actually. It's just, you send a message, it goes to a server, the server is like, cool. And it, and it gives it to the recipient, except of course, that the, there's like the spam filter in between that can make some decisions. Mm. And then the email client itself, as they, as they evolve to differentiate themselves from each other, become more and more like the front page of a store and that mm. now they, there's a now discoverability to, problem. They get right? to decide. They get to decide because I actually think about this. Like when you open up Gmail right now, like on your own mobile, there's a highlights thing at the top, yeah. which like Google decides, hey, I think this is the most important email in your inbox right now. I'm going to show this. I'm going to put this one on the top. And then it lumps things together. It's like earlier this week and it kind of lumps some stuff together, but you can't really quite tell it's in there. Right. Mm-hmm. And so basically Gmail is trying to solve the same problem that all these Store app stores are trying to solve. Because people. Because people won't organize their shit and, right? keep their, <laughs> and keep their list clean in the same way that a store won't organize their shit and keep its shit mm-hmm. clean. And they just like put everything on there. And so now 
in every facet of our internet lives, there's a discoverability problem, which is true on Twitter. It's true on Facebook, right? Mm -hmm. And everybody's solution to this is different, but all of them completely fuck with you, right? When you are the person trying to to sell a service and trying to talk to your your Right. So our our long-term goal has been like, we want to be independent. We want to be not an indie studio, an independent studio. And what that generally is meant is that we want to get to a position where – if we launch a game, we can that support we, it ourselves. That we feel like we can, we can launch it. Like we can send an email to half a million people or something. Yeah. And we know we're not there. We know, we know we need to send it to like easily like 5 million plus right. people before we can actually do yeah, it. But, but we're, we're, we're on our way. We want to make progress, yeah. you know? We want it to be us and our players. Yes. Like that's the, those are the two groups of people that we want to have. Yeah. And then everybody in our else, world. all the middlemen that are kind of in there are basically there to support us. Mm-hmm. Right. Not vice versa. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, and not and not sort of just tell us no yeah you're not going to be able to talk to your your players yeah. today yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so we're definitely in a in a we're bumming out pretty good we're trying to figure it out I got some plans um, Adam's got some plans. plans Adam's working on we're it doing some tests this week to figure it out but it's one of those things where it's like ah just what a what a punch in the gut because yeah. from a general strategic level uh, you know we've, when we talk about the podcast a lot like the biggest problem that that we have had and continue to have is just is just being able to hold on to the people that like our stuff and remind them that either that we exist or there's something new to like with the Crashlands Co-op, right? Co-op is something that people have asked for forever. But the thing is, if you don't, if you don't know that it has just happened, then it might as well not it, have. It may as well yep. not happen. And so it's one of those things. Well, well, and things are, things are algorithmically inclined to go into positive or negative reinforcement spirals. Yes. So if we, if we launch a game and then we can't boost it, then we don't get the benefit of being at the top of some list. Right. Uh, and then by not being at the top of the list, we don't get the sales that push us up the list, right? Yep. And so then it, it it actually pushes us down, and we and then we have then we're at the opposite. And it gets end. harder to recover because yeah. most of those algorithms have basically a, sort of a, a decay f- faction or, or a decay function that's attached to them to keep them from sticking too hard. Yeah, exactly. So so we kind of have this weird scenario where like the we know how we know how stores work. You know, we know how all these things work, which is they're built on algorithms. They're built on like if you can bring a community in, that's a mm-hmm. big deal and everything. Everything about our strategy was that, like to figure, like to take advantage of those systems. Uh, but yeah, now we got we get kicked in the mouth. Yeah. <laughs> so- <laughs> figuring it out, super bummer. And yeah, man, my guess is it's impacted our Switch launch at least a little bit because we haven't been able to. Tell people that love the game that it exists. You would, on that. yeah, you would think that <laughs> not, yeah, being effectively muted would make it hard to tell people things. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, as, I was saying, as, as we ended up in a spot where it, it just became so apparent because we were dependent on Nintendo basically for a good launch, mm-hmm. and that was highlighted even more so by the fact that then when we turn around to to try to also make that a good launch. We just couldn't. Yeah, we could do. We could do literally. We just had to watch and just hope that hope Nintendo that whatever was happening good. was good. Yep. yep. Um, so it's it's effectively you know it's like it's like launching a game for the first time yeah, yeah right you effectively have no community that you can bring there because you can't tell them about it right yeah um, so like we have the podcast listeners and like mm-hmm. our listeners for the podcast are fantastic and they actually hear the stuff that we're doing because it's just us and them yeah, there's out. no curator in between uh-huh. uh, but the email is such a bigger pool of people. Well, we'd imagine, if we it, imagine if we put up our podcast and then just like three weeks in a row, it was like we're actually going to only show it to like Eighth, a fifth of yeah. people. Who are subscribed to Who it. have asked to have yeah. it put automatically. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, imagine – because this is what happens on Facebook, right? Now, yeah. Ima- yeah. Imagine you're a podcast listener. You have your, like your five favorite podcasts mm-hmm. or whatever. Got, you're subscribed to all of them. It's like keeping track of which ones you've played. And, all, and then all of a sudden one week – 
only two of your podcasts actually show up. And you're like, well, fuck, I guess these other people just stopped making podcasts. Because nope, that's what you would think. Turns out it's because they didn't pay the middleman yeah, they didn't to pay the show middle you their podcast. Yeah. yeah, which is, I mean, that's what's happening. Um, yeah. So we got some. I am bammed. <laughs> we got some soul searching to do. Uh, um, very frustrating. Yeah, and and we've we've also been uh, having some really good sort of strategy meetings about level head and kind of like what like in light of all this stuff, mm-hmm. what we might be able to do. Um, so no, well, nothing final on that, but nothing we'll, to announce. Nothing to announce. Interesting things are happening. Inter- we'll that yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Uh, they're only interesting if people know about them. That's true. <laughs> Jesus Christ! This tree falls in the woods and nobody's around. To no, who gives that? Who? Whatever. You know. It looks like one of those cool glowing trees that got struck by lightning and the inside's on fire. Yeah. It's pretty fucking rad. But if if something is on fire and nobody's around to see it's it, still really is awesome. it really awesome? <laughs> <laughs> Just locally uh, awesome. Yeah, all right. Awesome. So out of the out of the world of bummers, let's get into uh, – so last week I had mentioned I wanted to talk a little bit about this classic WoW demo that happened. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because last week we talked about uh, – we talked about Diablo Immortal and – and Activision Blizzard's kind of weird. Having a rough time. Weird thing. Uh, that train wreck just continued all through the week. Mm-hmm. They had their earnings call and they uh, they talked about they, – they totally doubled down. And they're like, actually, we are moving most of our top developers over to mobile projects now. And, of course, then the PC game community <laughs> was like, ah! Like they burst veins in their foreheads. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was a kind of a bright spot, though, throughout all of this during uh, BlizzCon, which was the – Classic WoW demo was made available for people to play. So Classic WoW is just a exact recreation of World of Warcraft the way it was in 2006. Six, yeah. Like mm-hmm. the, the final patch before the next big expansion. And so uh, so I jumped in there to to poke around on it. And I, I like it got really got me thinking because I just couldn't help but notice how literally everything was different. You know, and it's it's the game has the same name, but and the, the like the core sort of general. Sure, you run around. You're yeah, running around. You, you run got around the world. You, you press buttons and shoot stuff. But spells. But anything you could point to that that you could measure in any way um, was dramatically easier in the modern version of the game compared to the old one. So. Um, and when I say easier, I just mean like how much effort it would take to do a thing, not necessarily skill wise. Right. But like, uh, so, so even something like I, I do a quest where I go swim into some water and I've got this breath meter and it's, it's going down and I've got like a minute. And so at a certain point I'm like, Oh fuck, I'm running out of breath. And I swim up to the surface, take a breath and I dive back down to do my quest again. Right. Mm-hmm. And it occurred to me, like, I've never, I haven't actually experienced that in the modern version of the game in like 10 years, because at some point they were like, you know, holding your breath is just a negative experience mm-hmm. for players. And so we want to make you be able to hold your breath for five minutes instead of one minute. Um, and then this cascades, right? So at some point, as an engineer, you could build a helmet to let you scuba dive and breathe underwater. That was awesome, right? Yeah. Only engineers in the game could do this. But it's not awesome if you can already breathe for exactly. five minutes. Exactly. There were also there was, classes that have spells yep. that let you breathe underwater. Yeah, warlocks could let you breathe underwater perpetually. And shamans could do it, but they had to use like fish scales. So mm-hmm. they had to like go uh, kill, kill some fish or something, get their scales <laughs> and like use the, use the scales as a reagent to give somebody water mm-hmm. breathing, right? And so whenever you had a quest that involved going deep under the ocean, you'd always like either – get some preparation. Yeah, you had some preparation. Like, oh, this is going to really suck unless I go find a warlock or a shaman buddy mm-hmm. or build myself a scuba helmet, right? right. 
Um, and then every now and then, maybe you didn't have those things and you'd be swimming down and then you would see a warlock and you're like, oh, yes, Help thank me. you. Help me. <laughs> and then they would give you water breathing. You're like, thank you. Right? Or you'd swim down and you'd just see a bunch of bodies, which is also hilarious because it's yeah. like sort of a warning sign. Yeah, there's sign. skeletons down there. People are not paying attention yeah. to their breath. And so, so what happens over time is, you know, first, first there's kind of this like people complain. You know, there's like, oh, it's so annoying that I have to hold my breath. Mm-hmm. I have dove in down and died. Yeah, I dove, dove and died, I died, died because Dave, I Dave, I daved, I daved to the bottom of the ocean. Daved. <laughs> I died down there. Now, developers, please change this, mm-hmm. right? And the developers, and maybe they hold out for a while. Maybe mm-hmm. for a while they're like, well, yeah, you didn't fucking swim back up to the top. Yeah, like but, an idiot. But they so. have forums, and they also, and then there's Reddit and other places. Right. So now these become echo chambers of com- complaints that somebody else might not have even like really thought about that much. But then, but they're like, yeah, that is annoying, you know. Mm-hmm. And then the more they think about it, the more angry about it they get. Yeah. And the more they share that, and so now any little problem becomes a big problem. Becomes a big problem that is actually echoed by a large fraction of your of your vocal player base. Yeah. So so then at a certain point, the developers like fine. Fine, you can hold your breath for five minutes now. That's enough, right? Mm-hmm. It was also the case that that players who were an undead character could hold their breath for five times longer than the normal because they don't breathe, right? right? Or like they just say they have dead lung. I don't know what it is. I don't know why. I don't know why they still <laughs> have to breathe. Are. Like it's still five, it's five x. Um, so so they they buffed up the baseline so now everybody can hold their breath for five minutes. And undead players can hold their breath so fucking long because it's like forty five minutes or something. Right. So it might as well not even be yeah, there. The point? You know. Yeah. Um, so then engineers are upset cause they're like, well, fuck, like I built this helmet, but it's useless now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that sucks. So now, now you got engineers complaining about their profession kind of like being useless in this domain. Mm-hmm. And then shamans and warlocks are like, yeah, well we had a cool thing going too, but now like nobody gives a shit about us being able to let them breathe underwater. Mm-hmm. So then over time you see those spells get removed from the game because they're useless. And you see things like professions becoming less and less useful over time because the game itself becomes so convenient mm-hmm. that having these little extra advantages to do cool stuff stop mattering, right? And so – And this decreases now social interaction because you don't need to see Nobody needs right. help with anything. Because everybody can hold their breath forever. Yeah. So you don't need any friends, mm-hmm. right, to help you get to the bottom of the ocean because you're, you're now soloing the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, – Probably my, my favorite example of this, and then we'll kind of talk about like what this like means, like what the implications are. My favorite example of this is is traveling in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so it used to be that that leveling took a real fucking long time. Like people would take three months to get to the max level in the game. And that was just part of it. People were like, yeah, it just it's hard and it takes a while. <laughs> um, yep. And mm-hmm. by the time you hit level 40, you had been walking the whole time on foot. Like just you just ran everywhere. Uh, and you'd often see people, and since you were kind of traveling slow, like you'd see somebody like fighting a you know a buffalo or some shit out in the world, and they'd be dying. You're like, oh, let me let me heal you a little mm-hmm. bit, right? Because you're you're right there, you know. You can stop and help. May as well help out because yeah. you're hardly moving at all, anyways. True, so yeah. you may as well stop mm-hmm. and help because you're already almost stopped. Um, so then you get to level forty, and and if you save up a bunch of, of in-game gold, you get your mount, and your mount is a sixty percent movement speed increase. That's nice. Like that's a nice boost, right? Um, and then that was it. And then when you got to the maximum level, if you saved up just an astronomical amount of money, <laughs> you could get a mount that let you go 100% increase. So twice as fast as your normal. But that also speed. meant that when you saw people on those mounts, like it was because it was so hard to achieve. And yeah, so you were like, oh, cool. yeah. and you could see them just running faster than you. And you're like, damn, they, yeah. they always looked cool. Yeah, it, the, it just they, means a lot. Yeah, because those mounts were always a um, 
a version of a lesser mount, but with like cool ass armor on it and stuff. Mm-hmm. So you're you're there riding like your derpy little raptor, and then <laughs> right. somebody comes riding by with like a fucking sweet raptor with like armor plates, and like feathers Headdress. on it, yeah. and yeah, yeah, all kinds of cool stuff. So there's always a kind of level of envy and whatnot. So over time, people start complaining about like it takes too long. It's taken too long to walk places, right? And so eventually they. They give up or the developers give up holding out for this and they reduce the limits. So now at level 20, you get your, your, your slow mount and at level 40, you get your fast mount and they make them cost like 10% of what they originally cost. So now everybody has one, right? So now, now everybody's moving fast. It's not special anymore. Everybody's moving fast. Now what this does is this cascades into the speed of leveling where mm-hmm. now that you're traveling faster, you are going from quest to quest a lot faster and you end up in this kind of gray area where like you now feel like you're kind of in a rush mm-hmm. m- much more so than you were like you used to like really take things well, slow. You're, you're not you're not traveling you're you're going from point a to point b exactly yeah. traveling is not a thing you do anymore now it's just this annoying gap between the quests mm-hmm. right and so now people start complaining about the speed of leveling so leveling speed gets gets uh reduced or increased i guess mm-hmm. the time to level goes down uh which then leads people to become even more upset about how slow slower. leveling is. Mm-hmm. So then uh, people realize, wait a minute, if we just run dungeons, we get a whole bunch of experience, right? Mm-hmm. But there's this problem, which is the quests for the dungeons are all over the world. And what do I have to do to get those quests? I got to go travel. So Blizzard is like, fine. So they move all the quest givers inside the dungeon. So you never have to go <laughs> to the quest givers, right? And so then people realize if I just run a dungeon after dungeon after dungeon, then it's just way faster because I just no traveling time at all, right? And so then people start, again, complaining about, A, how boring that is, but they're doing it anyway because it's the path of least resistance, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And B, that now the entire world is empty and useless because it's actually dungeons of war. Because everybody's in the dungeons now. Yeah. So then Blizzard's like, okay, well, we got to incentivize people to go out in the world again. So they make leveling faster. Like they, they make the quests give more experience. People are still not doing it. Mm-hmm. So then then ultimately they give people that – they also give people armor that they can wear that, that doubles their experience. So they level up twice as fast. People still complain about how slow leveling is. So then the last thing that they do is they literally give player, – players who have reached max level can buy a chauffeur that will drive your level one character around at maximum epic mount speed, right? So you have this final scenario, which is mm. like – it's like an argument ad absurdum. Like if you take well, now at level one, you can go as fast as you used to be able to go with a with thousands with of thousands gold and thousands gold of hours. Right? Yeah, and so what you see then is you make a new character and you see all these other people in the zone being driven around by chauffeurs at turbo <laughs> speed <laughs> because all they do is complain about how slow things are, yeah. and so things keep getting. And faster. if you're a new player, like you don't have access to that for a long time, but everybody else seems to have it. Yep. Yeah. Which and, which is yeah, but it bummer. also means that they're not going to stop and uh, heal you on the side. Nobody of the stops to yeah. heal you. Right? They so you get no help as a noob, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so then, so then these things cascade. So people don't stop to heal to heal each other or help each other. People don't group up for quests because the amount of time you spend on a quest is now like three minutes. Like yeah. you get the quest, you zoom over there, you kill like boom, one boom, thing, yeah. and you come back and you're done, right? Which means the probability of you being on the same quest as somebody else is effectively zero. Mm-hmm. So now grouping for quests, you can't really do it anymore. So now you've got to make monsters easier because people, people are grouping. only soloing, right? Mm-hmm. So now monsters get easier. 
Uh, which makes it more boring, which makes it more boring. And then people want it to be over faster. So eventually you can now just pay $60 to have a high level character Mm -hmm. and just skip the whole leveling process. (laughs) It's it's almost like you basically get this reduction until you have a clicker. That's essentially what it is. You go, you you just go right to the loop. Yeah. You go straight to the core. So, so this is an interesting problem. um, That is, I think it's present in all games that undergo regular development, right? Which is, We've been calling internally something like design by apology mm-hmm. or, de- or defensive design, where when people complain about a feature of your game, then you change that feature without fully recognizing its place in the context of the rest but of I the think, game. But I think I think largely it's, it's mostly a thing you can only really see in retrospect too. Yes. Like it's, it's easy to think, oh, if I just like – if I just tweak this thing to make this aspect a little bit easier or, or change you know how fast leveling is or like – You'll always know those that's going to cascade into places, mm-hmm. but it's really not possible to just like to know really the full impact yeah. of what's going to happen until yeah. you've done it, which makes it particularly dangerous. Well, and, and we've seen this already in in things in Level Head, um, where we have a very quick respawn time because we think that's really important for a mm-hmm. precision platformer. If you played Super Meat Boy, you know that like you die, you're back in mm-hmm. instantly, right? Um, and something we noticed with unnamed competitors of our mm-hmm. of level head <laughs> is that respawn times are, are often very long You're talking eight to ten seconds like eight to ten seconds like you die and then there's like a long animation sequence eight ten seconds long level restarts full cinematic thing, yeah but. so we thought okay with level head we're gonna we're going to a really tighten that loop up so when you die there is an animation but it's very fast it's like 0.7 seconds or something and then b we wanted to make it really easy to to redo things. So if you are starting to go through a level and maybe you're doing like a speed run and you're a third of the way through the level and you're like, oh, I fucked something up. And, and you don't want to like jump into a spike or, you know, whatever, do something like something elaborate to make a new attempt. So we just have an, an instant button that you can just hit and restart the level, right? So what we found was that, was that when putting the game into the hands of QA, mm-hmm. that the 0.7 second death animation gets complaints about how slow it is mm-hmm. because the because retry there's a, because there's an instant yes there's an instant alternative uh and if you hit the restart button right before you die then you get to skip the 0.7 seconds mm-hmm. right because there's something about human psychology which is we only understand things relative to other things that yes. are similar but yeah we only, never only evaluate, within context only within context we, yeah. we never evaluate things absolutely so this is why we were complaining when we launched Tal fight and we're like it's three dollars for 12 hours of entertainment it's mm-hmm. such a great bargain right and we also said it's cheaper than a cup of coffee which is dumb but nobody's nobody's comparing, comparing those markets. yeah and so so if you have a thing that takes 0.7 seconds and then and then give an instantaneous alternative 0.7 seconds feels like a fucking lifetime mm-hmm, right yeah. and so we have two options here Right. One is we we take the defensive remove approach. death basically. Yeah, remove, remove the death, the death animation yeah. where you just like as soon as you touch something bad, it just starts the level over. But that kind of feels weird, right? Another it, option. It seems like you should have a consequence for dying or for or for quitting. Yeah, you know. Yeah, even right. if it is just point seven seconds of time. right point exactly. seven seconds of your life, you it makes it more meaningful. Up. Yeah, yeah. So then, so there's another option which is to make it so that you can hit the restart button. After you've died. So like while the death animation is playing, mm-hmm. you can skip the death animation, save yourself 0.7 seconds of life mm-hmm. uh, and restart. Or we change the restart mechanic so that when you hit the restart button, you die and you watch the death animation for 0.7 seconds. So really the restart button is now becomes a self-destruct button mm-hmm. basically, right? Yep. right? Um, so it gives you the option to then do that quick restart, but it takes away that weird feeling of 
one being so obviously better, right. you know? Um, and so I think, I think that we talked about that skag gully thing as yes, well in yeah, the past. Portland, yeah. yeah. Players complaining about how many things they had to fight. So the developers tripling the number of things they had to fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and the complaints went away. The complaints go away because now it feels right. You know, it feels it, like you should be fighting. It feels like you're supposed to be fighting and not annoyed by occasional yeah. random fights. This is one of those really nefarious things. And we've seen this with, uh, you know, we've, cause we've continued doing updates to Crashlands for the last two and a half years. Um, and oftentimes a lot of our discussion starts around these feedback points that players have about if the game is too slow or too grindy or if, or if flux moves too slowly, um, just walking across the world, yeah. which is always those, those comments are ever present. And we've done some things before where we, for example, people are complaining about the grind, feeling like basically the fact that you have to get all these reagents and then build things and wait and take time and all this stuff, uh, just feeling like a grind. And so we thought, okay, you know, we've heard this complaint a bunch. So um, we're, we just, I don't know if we announced one, that we did it. We, no, just we didn't quietly, announce anything. At one point, we just cut it by like 40%. Yeah. Which we, so it literally took 40% less time to create all of the stuff to get you through the whole chain of content in the game. And the complaints persisted. No change at all. No change at all in response. Because nothing is ever fast enough. Yes. Because no matter how fast something happens, you can always imagine it being faster. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you also recognize that that speed for a person is tied to so many things. Like the speed at which you travel through the world, the speed at which you get the resources that you need, mm-hmm. you know, all these things, they they put you into different frames of mind, right? So the idea of like, if quest only takes three minutes and I'm running like a fucking missile across the world to do that quest. And if every monster I fight dies in under two seconds, mm-hmm. then I am not in any You're mental mood state. Time. I'm not in any mental state to stop yeah. and chat with somebody, mm-hmm. you know, like, and so, so even just the, like, it's weird to think that you can like not necessarily destroy a friendship, but prevent friendships from ever happening by simply changing how fast monsters die in your game mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. Yep. But these things are all really tightly connected. Um, and so that's something that we've been really kind of like, I think it's just an interesting, it's an interesting thing to think about as a game designer. Yeah. We're really trying to keep an eye on it when it comes to level head in particular, because there are some social aspects at play essentially. And so we want to make sure that we don't speed up something dumb essentially. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, there, and we've, we've actually been, been kind of backtracking on some of our designs that we've shown so far and thinking like, this is too fast. Mm-hmm. Like we uh, we're we're actually having players bounce back and forth between various parts of the game and, and various levels and whatever a little bit too instantaneously and a little bit too effortlessly. Mm-hmm. Um, because also storytelling happens in the gap between action, yep. right? For for players, and so um, I I can think about all these scenarios where you know playing WoW back in the day where I'd be like running on foot from one town to another. And it maybe takes like two minutes. It's not actually, it's not an incredible amount of time, um, but there's not really much happening during that. So what am I doing during those two minutes? You're looking around, thinking, chatting. I'm thinking about my next moves. I'm chatting with my Mm -hmm. guild. I'm looking through my bags and organizing things. I'm kind of like planning, like, oh, maybe when I get there, I'll go, maybe there's a fishing vendor. I can go get a fishing pole. Yeah, well, you also have to, because it's so costly to, to move around relatively. You also have to make plans because you can't just like be somewhere else now, you know? Yeah. Um, and so you actually – you get to use that down that downtime um, to basically offset future downtime, mm-hmm. which then becomes part of the whole experience yeah. and part of the game. It makes it, it makes it the case too that your decisions are a little more sticky. So if you show up in a town, you are more likely to stick around in that You're town. You're there on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's because actually been – It takes some time to get away from it. There's been a number of – I'm, I'm guilty of doing this as well. 
but uh, in in that game, tanks like players who are who take damage from monsters and like protect their teammates. Tanks are rare. Mm-hmm. Like they're the they're the most rare of the of the three roles. There's tank, healer, and damage dealer. And when you want to join a dungeon, if you're a tank, your your cue to get into that dungeon is instantaneous every time. So like you hit the little button and you're like join dungeon. And it's like and it's ready to go right mm-hmm. because there's a healer and three damage dealers that have been waiting around for a Twins. tank to join the queue. <laughs> mm-hmm. And whenever I play my tank sometimes i hit the i hit the join dungeon button and then a queue pops up and i'm like oh i don't know <laughs> like i've i've it happens so fast that i feel like maybe i don't want to commit to it because i haven't had to do anything like i haven't had to give up anything not even a second of time yeah. to think about what i was going to do right. you know and and you see this on the other end like being a healer being a damage dealer you hit join dungeon you wait for like 12 minutes and finally it pops up and you're like, yes. And then the tank, the tank icon is just sitting there and it's like waiting. It's like waiting for the tank to approve. And everybody else is like, yeah, like they're slamming their button because they want to go into the dungeon. <laughs> and the tank is like ambivalent about it, even though they just in that exact moment decided to queue up <laughs> to the dungeon. So there's there's something to be said for like making people commit to things, making things take a while. You basically you want the friction and you want the weight of certain decisions to be in the right place. Right. Yeah. So it should, like it shouldn't be hard, for example, to like execute a save game thing uh, from like a particular menu screen. Like if, if the save is already supposed to be there and all this other stuff. But it might be really good uh, in the context of a game as a whole to only allow people to save in certain places because it actually makes the save become an important part of the whole yeah. puzzle of play. Right? Well, it is so, the case. I know like as soon as quick saving became a thing, which I really remember yes. from half the original half. Yeah. I think that's where we've started. Uh, the I just, challenge really kind of falls. It off. really <laughs> did. Like it, it changed you how don't have I to commit to anything. No, it, ever. It, it completely changed how I interact with games. Like then forever after. Right. Because now anytime I'm playing a game where there's like not, where there isn't that aspect, uh, I find it so aggravating because I'm just like, because you, my, cause you like, have oh, to my, live in the decisions. That yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, whereas you can, and I, and I find myself with, like with fallout and all, all these games mm-hmm. that I really, truly love. But so when I'm playing them, I'll go do a thing just because I know I can respawn in, like instantaneously if I, if I made the wrong choice. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so you don't have to live on the one hand, it allows you to explore the game more, but yeah. on the other hand, you don't have to live with any decisions. That you I mean, th- there's actually, when I play Kerbal space program these days, you can, yeah. you can, play it on a hard mode that doesn't allow quick save oh, really? loading. Yeah. And so I do that because I'm like, I could do like a four day long mission and then fuck up my re-entry and explode in the atmosphere. And well, that's all. That's it now. That's right? an awesome story. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. It's the story is I did that and then I, and then I hit F5 and then I, and then I did, did it right it. the next yeah, time. Yeah, it kind of takes the gravity away. It does. Yeah. But I, but I also get it. Cause of course, like when I play Carbal Swiss program, it feels real bad when you go on those long things. But, but I think a lot of the reason it feels so bad is because, you just can undo it. Yeah. So like, well, I, I hmm. think I told a story a long time ago of like, I fucked up my landing on Minmus, which is like this tiny moon. It has very low gravity. I fucked up my landing where I just like started accelerating to, or I like started decelerating too late and just kind of smacked into it. And the only thing that survived was my capsule with the Kerbal inside. Hmm. And then I, I couldn't quick load. And I'm like, well, now I got a Kerbal just fucking standing on the moon with no way to get out. And you could a, just leave him there. I could just leave, but. This is a Martian movie situation yeah. all of a sudden. But I did have a space station yeah. orbiting Minmus, and my Kerbal did have an EVA thruster on its back. A little jetpack. A little jetpack. So you got him back into orbit. I don't have any navigational instruments, so I have to do an <laughs> orbital rendezvous by eyeball. <laughs> and I have so little thrust power with this pack and so limited fuel that if I fuck it up, even like a small amount, then I will basically just like make a really big arc and then just smack back into the moon again mm. at terminal velocity and die. Right. Yep. 
So terminal I did meaning it. to your life. Yeah. So I mean, I did it. But if I had just quick loaded, that is actually true. The most know. fun that I had in Kerbal was when I the first maybe like ten hours, and it was because at that time I didn't even know there was a quick save and quick load option, which I'm now realizing in retrospect. That's probably why it was so because fun. yeah, because I, <laughs> I had. Because like the first Kerbal I got into orbit around like the main planet, you know, the first one I got in there, I didn't have enough fuel to get him back out of orbit. So he was just like stuck there forever now. <laughs> but when that happened, I was like, I was like, it just feels bad just to like leave a guy up. I mean, it doesn't matter for the game, but it still felt bad mm-hmm. to leave him up yeah, there. Yeah, you, you got a whole so then rescue, I needed a rescue mission, and then I and I ended up with like I ended up at one point with three Kerbals like stuck in orbit. Because each one tried to save the next one. And then eventually I saved them all, you know? And like, yeah. and I spent probably six hours doing that, right? Which I, which wasn't moving me forward in the game at all. Uh, but you it, just tied up some loose ends. I was just tying up made, loose ends. Yeah. And it felt so – it took me – I think it took me like 15 hours of playing that game before I even landed on the moon because I was doing this kind of yeah. shit, right? Mm. But again, I mean, this is – and this is – for me, the, the core of this idea is that convenience is the, is the enemy of adventure. Yes. Right? And the more – Glamping is not camping, you know? Yeah. It's one of those things. And so I've been thinking more about this, like, push for quality of life features. Hmm. Because quality of life features in games are usually uh, anti-adventure mechanics. Hmm. Like, there are things that make it so that you just don't have to spend as much time navigating the world. You know, things like fast travel and fallout, Mm -hmm. right? We're like, well, I've been from point A to B, so I just – now I can just instantly go back, right? Um, And – you know, like we implemented that kind of stuff in Crashlands as well, mm-hmm. just kind of as that's just what you do, right? Um, but I feel like at a certain point, you got to be real fucking careful. Well, yeah, you just again, you, you just need to. I think it, the convenience features are fine, but you have to know, you have to plan and know where they're hitting and not just keep on adding them for the sake of convenience, yeah. right? So, because in the case of travel in a game like Crashlands, where you actually don't backtrack basically at all. So, being like in because you've words, cleared the resources on the exactly, way. Yeah. and so being able to jump toward essentially the furthest point you've been is seems to actually make a lot of sense because the walk there Nothing probably really doesn't have anything you yeah. want, yeah. but which is kind of annoying. Well, yeah, and I think the fact because it could have gone either way too because we moved it so that you don't craft your teleporters, you just find them, right? Yeah. But they're rare enough that sometimes you got to go on a little adventure trying to find one close enough to where you want to yeah, be. You might continue your walk for another like ten minutes, right, to find something. Which then adds something to that. Um, but had it, had we made it so that they were just really expensive and hard to make, so now you had to make a decision of where to spend resources, like where you know where you should put these things. That would have had it. That probably would have made the game feel completely different. Not mm-hmm. necessarily better, not necessarily worse, but definitely different in yeah. some interesting way. Yeah. So you just got always got to think about whenever you're adding a convenience feature, you're al- you're also removing something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you got to know what it is. But this downtime. is particularly important when yeah. it comes to uh, free to play. Yes, as a as a way of monetizing a game and, and games as a service in general, yeah. Because you basically have two options of things you can sell. You can sell cosmetics mm-hmm. that have no actual impact on gameplay, or you can fuck with the friction points. Yeah, those are those are those are the two things you can do, and uh, or fuck with balance, right? Um, yeah. So I guess the three things, uh, and of course, if you fuck with balance, it just feels bad for everybody. So that's pay to win. Yeah, but everybody hates that. If you and it also makes the game feel worse because now it just gets easier for you, right? Uh, but if you fuck with the friction points, then that feels like, and, then, and we did this with Quadrupus Rampage, which we've mm-hmm. openly admitted was a was a mistake in retrospect, right? Um, well, friction point meaning like how the, long does it take? To yeah, do how long does it take you to do? Yeah, well, because because in Quadrupus Rampage, you can pay, you can buy a twenty dollar IAP just to have all of the masteries, right? And because there's like mm-hmm. I don't know how many. I think masteries that's there also are. like all of the. Yeah, it's all the masters and full upgrades. Yeah, it's like, it's like all the things. It's the things that you normally like. The whole thing that you're doing while playing the game is working towards those, right? And so what makes it? And then we just gave you the option to not do yeah, any of because that. Because part of the fun of going 
Part of the fun of going down and fighting fish is knowing that there's a reason for it (laughs) and and that you are going to benefit from it. And so there's that flow state that you get into where, yeah, like, of course, the motion is repetitive. You're fighting mostly the same things and you're Mm -hmm. doing the same things. But there's that kind of Zen state that you get into where there's a reason for it. Yeah. Once you get, once you get into the flow of the action, then the action itself becomes like a planning moment, right? Mm -hmm. Where you're thinking about, once you get enough orbs, once you get enough, like once you what's get your next mastery, mastery going to be, what's your yeah. next upgrade going to be. So there's yeah. always something to be kind of thinking about. And, um, and, and specific goals. Because I know like when, back when I played Quadrum's Rampage for the first time and played through it, I like every time I would, I would get enough, whatever, orbs to unlock another mastery, I would like go, I would go look at them all, like rethink them all again and be like, oh, which one do I, mm-hmm. you know, which one of these? Like if I get this one now, what does that mean for being able to get this other one later? You know, and, and yeah. it adds an entire dimension to the game that it just gets completely It just removed. gets deleted. Yeah. As soon as, as soon as you spend money on the game, which, you know, hey, if you want to spend money on it, that's fine with yeah. us. Yeah. But just know that it actually does make the game worse. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, so it, it removes the adventure, which is kind of the point. Yeah. Yes. It does make me wonder if we were to basically redesign Crashlands now. Uh-huh. Would it feel a like a more, Crashlands 2, perhaps? Right. Would it feel yeah. a lot more like oh, Dunk's God. Life, you know? I don't think so. But think of how much we've sort of positioned ourselves as like, it's like a friendly Don't Starve, right? Mm-hmm. That was a lot of our positioning and how we kind of thought about it. Um, but I don't think people wanted a friendly or don't starve because no, 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 half a million some people of them wanted did. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, but I mean yeah, that's fair to say at all. No, but no, I think you know exactly what I mean, though, right? Because something like twenty million people played Don't Starve, right? Mm-hmm. And those people were not looking for an easier Don't Starve. Yeah, they, they were, were like having. They were like, this blast. hurts a lot. Yeah, uh, this is great. I love this. This is great. <laughs> exactly. this is great. And, and people playing, uh, you know, any any of these hard games like Dark Souls or Hollow Knight or mm-hmm. uh, Cuphead, right? I think the reality is that you don't need the whole game to feel like that in order for it to be good. No, for example, yeah. the boss fights in Crash. Yeah, yeah. Like you first time you fight the Bakerweed Fairy and it goes like bullet hell on you yeah. it, for the first time in the entire game. You didn't realize that was a thing that was going to happen. Um, absolutely horrifying. And most people die yeah. a lot yeah. before they beat any one of those bosses in particular. Yeah. And we we even have um, like people people demanding that we add options to change difficulties on the fly, and that's something that we've been pushing against the entire time because mm-hmm. we're like no. You said you wanted a challenge. You live in your truth. You signed up for challenge <laughs> mode. You now have a challenge. Yep. Just get, get yeah. in there. <laughs> yeah, you rise to the occasion. Yep. But we're not gonna we're not gonna make it so that you can just arbitrarily decide that you want something to be easy. Yeah, well, have it be easy right. and then switch then back, back to. Yeah. Well, I think it's much more important when you're trying to when you're trying to live with the decisions that you've made, right? Because like because the argument comes back, it's like, well, I've been I mean I've been playing this game for eight hours and I just finally decided it's it's just too hard this way. It's like, well, well, better buckle up for another eight more hours. Yeah. To get- <laughs> you now get to take yeah. all that stuff you learned, go back at a mm-hmm. easier difficulty, yeah. and you know, like, well, this this is why we call it, you know, a. Uh, designed by apology because we could be like, I am so sorry that you had to spend eight hours playing mm-hmm. our game. You know, we'll, we'll do everything we can to make sure you never have to suffer through that again. <laughs> right. um, as opposed to saying like, no, like you're, you're getting exactly what we are offering, mm-hmm. which is time in this crazy world that we made. And a uh, challenge. Hopefully. And a challenge. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's, it's hard to, to stop being apologetic about your design decisions, but I think yeah. it's important. Yeah. So, anyways, let's get on some questions. These questions come from our listeners <laughs> over at podcast.bscatcher.net. If you'd like to get your question on a future episode, go to podcast.bscatcher.net and type it, and then we'll have it. Mm-hmm. And we'll then it. maybe, if it's good, we'll answer it in two to three years. Yes. So we, I think we answered one last week uh, that was at least a year old. Yeah. There we go. And then, <laughs> the, the asker was very confused. There was a whole, dis- <laughs> there was a whole Discord conversation <laughs> about there- it. Yeah, we're like, oh, uh, didn't realize that. It was, it was, it was still timely, so – 
Are there even dates on those that listed? You tell me. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, they're in the database, but we don't actually show them. Yeah. Uh, first question comes from the, I think it's Theonian, but mm-hmm. it might also be the one and I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you guys going to partake in meat piece ween? You said you were going to do it next year, last year on episode <laughs> 127. So episode 127 was 50 episodes ago. So we got what, two left? Meat piece ween is the gathering of people around the meat piece. Yeah, which we did do yesterday. Yeah, we actually did do meat piece ween yeah. yesterday. Yeah. Whatever so. this place, we had some meat. Uh, we played some card game. I think because <laughs> we are in America, any any gathering <laughs> that is a meal is meat piece ween. Anytime two people are in mm-hmm. the same place, it becomes meat piece ween. Yeah. Even if they're vegetarians, because no matter where they go, people keep trying to make them eat meat. That's and true. they're like, God damn it. <laughs> Because I, I didn't want this. Yeah. So that's it. We did it. Yeah, the answer is yes. If you've celebrated Meet Peace Week this year, you know, we do have the podcast email. You can tell, tell us. Tell us how it went. Tell us about your gathering around the Meat Peace. Yeah. Podcast yeah. at peacecotch.net. All right. Next question comes from Retro Banana Man NL. How is work going with the brain globes? Is it working or did it not work out? The brain globes, I think, have been one of our best ideas. What is it? The brain globe, yeah. So the whole idea was to make it so people don't get get interrupted by other people uh, during a deep work state. And so essentially, what happens is you just have this little LED light, touch LED light on your desk. You slap it when you're sort of going in, uh, which you used to be what would happen is someone would just say, "I'm going in," and then they put headphones on. And if you miss that, yeah, right, because to keep track of who's in and who's not. Yeah, because headphones could also just mean I just want to listen to some music, Mm -hmm. yeah, or it could mean. Don't bother me. Yeah. But you don't actually ever know which one it is. Yeah. So the so. brain gloves have been super useful because now you just slap it before you go in. And then it is abundantly clear to everybody that you are in. Yeah. And the only time you need to be uh, – that you really should be interrupted is if there's like a basically a blocker that that person has for you that is stopping you from doing anything. And that they so, can't work around in any way. Yeah. So it really I, – I think it's been phenomenal. That The combination of that plus the way we've been using Trello – uh, means that we've had periods in the office where it's been silent for like five hours straight. But there's like a yeah. ton there's of a, collaboration happening. Yeah. <laughs> it's just happening like exactly it's when very asynchronous. each person needs it. And then, of course, you might have these things where you're like, hey, we just need to – we got to use our vocal cords because this is weird. Like let's figure this out. Um, yeah. That happens from time to time. But it's been a really good – I think it's one of the biggest and best process changes we've done probably ever. Frankly, yeah. Well, I think it's also – it doesn't just help with the social part. It also just helps – like it helps. It's a ritual, right? Because ritual rituals for, are important in, for getting into the flow state. Mm-hmm. And I think just having it where you you kind of get settled in, you get prepped, you're like ready to go. You know what you're gonna do, and then you look over, and your lights off, and you're like, it's time. It's time. You slap it, mm-hmm. right? And put now, your headphones. Like, on. Put your headphones on. Like there's a whole ritual that I think just helps to kind of get you in there. Mm-hmm. And it's always in your vision, you know. So like, yeah, you can see it glowing, and it's like you're connected. Yeah, to I, would, I like to use it to to backlight my little flux statue. Oh, so it adds adds a sense of drama Mm -hmm. and gravitas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I feel like this is one of those things where, in retrospect, between Trello and the brain globes, I'm like, what the fuck were we doing before? Like, how did Uh, we get? We were living in chaos. How did we get anything done? Did we? You could still get a lot done while dropping a lot of balls. You could get a (laughs) lot done randomly. Yeah, yeah. On accident. Well, if enough balls are being thrown at you, yeah, you gotta catch one. You just catch one or two, you're fine. (laughs) And then, you know, oftentimes, maybe there's like 30, 30 balls flying around the office. 
Yep. But then the next day we forgot about 28 of them anyways. Yeah. So well, yeah, it was, it is a sort of nice purging mechanic because things that are not, <laughs> things that are not important just disappear. That is something that I worry about with Trello mm. is that it's so easy to put things in there. They're like anything that you think of, we're like, it would be kind of, kind of nice if we had. Oh, yeah. Then it ends up in there. It ends up in yeah. there. Mm-hmm. And but then you just do a Trello purge. Yeah, I do periodic purges, which yeah. is pretty good. Yeah, we did that last week. Went through and killed a bunch of items we were going to put in. Yep, I actually no. found. I think for some reason I just ended up at the bottom of my backlog list last week, and at the very bottom were like five things that I have already done. Because I think <laughs> I, I think while I was doing other things, I was like, oh, I should do this. Yep. And, and like, but like I didn't even realize that I had like already known I needed to do it. It was just a thing that at the moment, at some moment. It became apparent that his thing needed to be done and yep. could be done. And it was just the right time. And it was just the right time. So then I was like, why did I even put that in there? Well, yeah, I think no yeah. system is perfect. No. I think we have 170-something cards in the level head uh, yeah. dev pipeline, 30-something in the design mm-hmm. area, and then another like 25 or so in the campaign area. Yep. And yeah, I've had that experience so many times where I'm like every Sunday I'll go down and look through the Trello list. I'm down at the bottom of the list and I'll yeah, I'll find – Five or six things. things. I'm like, I, yep, I already did that. Yep. In the patch Didn't notes. even know it was on here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't uh, know how we did it before. I, well, we tried to use Workflowy, I think. But actually, no, each bit. of us had our own. Each of us had our own system. Each of us had our own system. And then it was mediated by Discord. Yes. Yeah, so which so is, somebody would be like, I need this thing from you. And then. And then you hope that the other person looked at Discord before 10 of their messages have piled up. Yeah. And if you didn't get confirmation, and if you didn't, do? It was, and if you didn't get confirmation from them, then now you had to remember that that had. It's weird because we were still working at a good clip. We've been working at a good clip. We've been getting a lot of shit done. Yeah, but it's going faster though. It's it going faster. faster, and also work. the work is more reliable, which is yes. important. But I actually have been feeling the same way too because for the past few weeks I've been changing my Git, my Git habits. Mm-hmm. You know, Git, Git yeah. being the. Uh, the version, the software versioning control system thingy, um, because when we were doing our, uh, what do you call that competition thing, that hackathon, global hack, and we all had to like sit down and we we're like, okay, we have to actually collaborate using Git for the first time, right? Uh, yeah. Because we literally we're all doing our own things, so we, we we almost never have to collaborate, and that's actually what this tool is made for. Mm-hmm. But if you just use it for yourself, you don't have to establish any good habits. You don't have to know about like the common patterns that people use to collaborate with each other and whatever. And so we, so I had to like dig in and start reading about this stuff so that we could actually prepare for that event. And then afterwards, I was thinking about it and I was like, there's a whole bunch of stuff about that. Like the things I got little glimpses of that I was like, even if I was doing it for myself only, probably be doing would make everything so much better. So yeah. I started to kind of put those into practice. And now, like this weekend, I was working on some juice box stuff, uh, the, the juice box mm-hmm. robot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I was like, how? And so I was using my new, my new Git practices, which, you know, any, any like, any member of a of like a professional software team using Git, it would be like, so would be like, yeah, I've been doing this for ten years or whatever, right? Yeah. Uh, so it's just like it's not even complicated stuff. It's just like basic Git usage. And uh, and I was like, how how did I live, you know, I don't know. before this? <laughs> like, it's well, I implemented this new uh, sketch process into with the making of art just so that we could have more of these feedback points. So that because it was common, it was a common enough occurrence where I would fully make something and then we go to put it in and we'd be like, oh shit. There's this big technical There's problem. The problem with this is that yeah. literally you just need to do a different thing entirely. And I got very tired of this. Seth got very tired of it. Um, we're both fully implementing, <laughs> yeah. creating and implementing stuff that we so don't yeah, I was just like, okay, I don't really want to do these sketches, but I'll do them just to see if that like add this piece of the process, get more feedback in there. And while it, it has sort of stretched out the front of the dev process, the back has become extremely yeah. tight. Where it's by cut the time, out waste. Yeah. By the yeah. time something actually gets to the point where it needs to be finished, it is the thing that needs to be finished. Yep. 
basically that's it. It was pretty beautiful. So you know, always trying to get better. Yeah. It's just always a little shocking every so often. You're like, how did you? How did we make anything? Yeah. Crashlands is fucking huge. We were I don't know flailing all that. over the place. I don't know how we did that. <laughs> brute force. Brute just force. Raw brute force. It's worth right, we, got, we got time for one really quick one. Last question comes from IMK. Do you have any rivals or arch nemeses? Mm. <laughs> Individually? As a person? Or, as a or just as a group? Do we have like a, you know... I, if I knew of like two football teams that had rivalries between them, mm. I would use that as a metaphor. Yeah, even, even, like, even like friendly rivalries or whatever. Uh, I know for me, just on a personal level, I don't have any nemeses or rivalries, but there are definitely people who do not like me and who I do not like. Nice. Mm, nice. And somehow it's always been mutual. I don't know what the deal is with that. <laughs> you guys just mutual, like, and you're like, no. There's just, yeah, there's just, a, and it's not been that many. It's just like over my life. Uh, there's just been a handful of people who we met and like, you know, we're totally cordial with each other, but I could, I could just tell they did not like You're me. Like, and I'm- I knew I did not like them. <laughs> and it was just fine. We just kind of like, we just kept our distance, you, you know? Apart. This uh, reminds me of my, my dog Coco. Mm-hmm. She is super friendly. Uh, and I've only seen, there's been two occasions. Once we had a plumber come in. She hated this man. I've never seen her not like a person. She's always like all up in their <laughs> business wanting to get, you know, cuddles and whatever. This guy came in and she's like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Hair standing up, growling at him, barking. I had to like put her in the back room, you know? And also there was one dog named Storm Ooh. who she tries to kill just like every chance that she gets. <laughs> uh, maybe and- maybe this is that guy's dog. Yeah, babe. Oh, shit. He smells. He smells there's like there's Storm. something on him. Yeah. But I think, yeah, but it's, it's totally inexplicable. <laughs> Where it's like, okay, there's just a just a nemesis yeah. situation. <laughs> it's like the inverse of that scene in Step Brothers where they're like, do we be just become best friends? Like, yeah. yes. And sometimes you look at someone and you're like, I hate you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it's particularly weird too because like, there are also people that I haven't liked because like we just literally like – there was something so fundamental, like yeah. that, like we actually like, actively hated person. each other, right? Sure. Like that, that kind of thing has happened too. But this one was different. Where it was just like you just like this is. It was of- just somehow <laughs> totally fine that and totally just somehow implicitly obvious to both parties that just just wasn't going to work, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it was fine. I feel like my arch nemesis is my past self, who's an idiot. Yeah, that's true, and is always trying to ruin my plan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. I'm always, I'm always, I'm always stumbling across like booby traps that, yeah. on the other hand, that my past self has laid for me. But your, I mean, uh, my current self isn't that much better because my current self is also always trying. Well, that's to how that's how it's a and, good rivalry, you yeah. know. Like the hero and the villain need to be sort of equally matched, right? right so yeah. like now I'm like I'm a modern idiot fighting against past me who was also an idiot, and, but for different reasons. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's just two idiots duking it out <laughs> over time until they both get old and die, which. Of course, that's how it's going to go. Which, unfortunately, you're going to die first. Yep. You know? that's I'm going to die before my past self does. Yep. Unless my past self is already dead. Oh, <laughs> uh, all right, Sam, any final words? I got on nothing. Ne- I got nothing. Ne- it was a good note to end on. Yeah, you have no nemesis? Nope. All right. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. We'd like to thank our producer, Fat Bart, for making us sound good. Thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. If you'd like to get more involved in the Butterscotch community, you can hop into our Discord server over at discord.gg bscotch and come say hello. Also, if you'd like to adorn your body with Butterscotch merch, you can check out our shop over at shop.bscotch.net, or you can send us stuff. Because if you've got merch that we need or whatever, uh, mm-hmm. we're not paying for it, but you can send it to <laughs> us uh, over at mailbox.bscotch.net. You can find the address. 
Uh, last but not least, if you'd like to buy us a cup of coffee to help support the podcast, you can do so over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye.